Katie, it's so good to see you again. It's good to see I, you too. I, a... I finished the book today. Oh, you so did? I'll, I'll give you my takeaways before I got to tell you how it hit me emotionally. Mm. It, uh, I, I started getting sad at the end, like so deeply connected to Yoshino-san. Mm. And that's how I wanted to call him Yoshino-san. How long did it take you to start calling him by his first name? Uh, it was only, it was like, hmm. Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Thank you, LCI. Now to the show. Like almost five years, maybe four <laughs> years. It, it was it was like halfway through our book project. Um, it was at least it was a good four years at least. Yes, it, it still feels incredible. it still feels awkward to feel. I it, well, it's it's strange because publicly I will not call him Isao. I did a few times at our book launch party. It definitely feels strange, but always Mister Yoshino when I um, Mr. when I'm with him. Mr. Or Yoshino, Yoshino. I, I did call him Yoshino-san for a long time, but then it feels. I, 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 but I call him Mr. Yoshino when we're together. Yeah. He said, even a man that he, American, who he worked with, whom he worked with in sort of the end of his career, uh, when he was doing consulting work after, um, after the water ski boat experience, he, he always still calls him Yoshino-san, even though they're roughly the same age. And <laughs> <laughs> what does John call him? That's what I want to know. John Shook. Yeah. Oh, he calls him, uh, he calls him a sow to his friend, his face. It, well, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, but I think he, he calls him um, Yoshino-san or Kachao. 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 Yeah. Kachao. 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 Thank you. I know he's, he, I talked to him last night. We ended up chatting for an, like, almost 90 minutes. Uh, we hadn't talked since um, for almost a month, which is a very long time. We usually talk every week or every two weeks. But um, we both had things going on and it was just uh, it was a little challenging to coordinate our times. And he's been busy working with some universities. So our our uh, schedules didn't align. So we had a nice catch up last night and excited about some collaboration we're doing this year, you know, this week and next week. And then um, some plans for next year, too. So that was that was fun to fun to explore. And I'm dead serious, Katie. Your book has been so transformative. I can tell you right now that the way that I'm operating in my company with the work that I do, it's already different. It's already happened. Wow. It's already changed. And I'm in this culture Academy group that's hosted by Procore. It's like a small little cohort of leaders in different parts of the construction industry from Florida all the way to California. Mm. And we were talking this morning and we had to share like some wins and some losses. And I started with the bad news first because that's the better way to start. Like all of these people spending this time together, mm. it's not about just good job and kudos, kudos, kudos. The point of this group is so that we stretch ourselves and grow. And I had to start with failure and it was, uh, it was tough. It was the first time I talked about mm. the struggle that I've been having this year with anybody outside of my household. Mm. And it was, uh, it was very different for me. Hmm. How did that feel? 
for you? I felt vulnerable for sure. Definitely vulnerable. And the people that were on the call are amazing people. And right away they were wanting to make sure that, that I was okay. And then they wanted more, they wanted more details. And I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that response that it took me by surprise, but I instantly mm. felt better. I felt good. Mm. Mm. It's amazing. It brings out the humanity. I, I, I do this all the time in virtual environments. <laughs> it's the heart, but it's, it's how we can connect yeah. with that heart and that humanity. And, um, you know, that sense of vulnerability goes so far. Uh, of course, you know, having a supportive team and, and them welcoming your uh, sharing and being vulnerable is is also important. But uh, if we put ourselves forward, it's it's amazing what happens, you know, and, and the connections that, that that establishes and breaks it breaks down the facades of what like we're supposed right. to be this certain way at work because we really we are our whole selves, um, our whole self. So. Yeah, I totally agree, Katie. And I, I went back and I listened to the raw footage of our first uh, mm. part one. And I realized that I didn't do a good job of letting you introduce yourself. Oh. We were, we were so comfortable talking. We were right back into it. Yeah, I kept waiting. I was like, okay, when is it going to come? Well, I was, I was thought you had some gems of what you were just saying. It really, um, as I, it's, I really appreciate hearing how the book has impacted people in a real intangible way. Um, my time with Mr. Yoshino has impacted me in such a positive, transformative way. And then to know um, how our collaboration and, and also what I've brought forward and how I've structured the book and presenting it so that it is in a usable, meaningful, reflective uh, way that people can learn from is um, makes all the years of effort <laughs> worthwhile. So, well, Katie, I, it's worth telling you again that when I was reading the book, number one, it reads very well. the The story that weaves through, I'll, I'll borrow your weaving metaphors as as much as I can. It is, it it's such that like you don't want to stop reading it because you're on mm. a cliffhanger. Mm. It's like watching a good movie, you know, following along the story you feel like you know the story has a happy ending just because I've seen pictures of you and Yoshino-san online and I, he's always smiling so big yeah. and I'm thinking the story has a happy and then when when I'm in the book and in the second part of the book that I finished since the last time we talked it was like I was feeling so bad for the experiences he had like when he came back to work in San Francisco for the first time and he realized what his job was I felt crushed just like him. I was like, how could you do this to him, Toyota? I was so mad for yeah. him. Like I was angry. And then seeing him go through this and then having that realization that it's just the perspective is his own. Mm. And I've thought that, and I've said that myself so many times and, and I still get caught in my own thinking. I get in my own way of mm. getting back, getting some better perspective, taking the time to pause. And I want to make sure we really dive deeper into reflection with you. And I want to take advantage of your Japanese skills. Now that I know that you're an, what is that? N5 N5 Japanese, yeah. N5 Japanese speaker. Definitely some hard questions. I'm going to, I'm going to get you All on right. Katie. All right. So. Well, I, it's, I'm a little rusty since my uh, planned trips to Japan this year didn't quite uh, happen. So my, my Japanese practice is a little rusty, but happy to take a go. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it'll be some things that I think you're going to have easily. 
mm. in spades. And if you mess up and trip, then we'll both learn together. Okay, good. Well, you can just edit it out too. So <laughs> I could, but I probably won't. <laughs> so but, I'm yeah. so happy to have back Katie Anderson back on the podcast, author of Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, and a definitely a lifelong student who never stops learning. Katie, please, I'm going to stop talking for just a second, give you a chance to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Felipe. I'm so happy to be back here talking with you. It's uh, always, always a pleasure. And um, I'm, as you said, Katie Anderson, I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm a leadership coach, lean practitioner, author and facilitator, uh, whose passion is for helping people learn to live and lead with intention, and to always be learning more deeply uh, for themselves, for them, for the people they support and their organizations. Uh, and I had the great distinctive pleasure and honor of becoming friends with Mr. Asao Yoshino when I moved to Japan in 2015 with my family. And uh, we became friends and out of that friendship became a deep uh, partnership and resulted in the book that uh, you just finished reading. So I'm excited to talk with you more now about your experiences of finishing the book and your takeaways and some of the other, um, how, how it's had a meaningful impact for you as you were already starting to share with me earlier. Yeah. Thank you, Katie, again, for taking time to, to be with me in this, this evening in December. Mm. I'm super glad to have you back. Your book has been a game changer for me. Mm. Uh, we have a mutual friend and that's how we talked about that on the show before a little bit, either on camera or off. I don't remember where it landed, but uh, we definitely have some mutual friends that are like-minded and uh, I'm an admirer of what the Lean Enterprise Institute has done. And I know that you're still a faculty member there. And we didn't talk about that at all last time. Like I went, I went back through all that. And I was like, how did we not talk about that? We must've just ran out of time. I have my fingers in many different, uh, mm in many different pots so that well, we can cover some other pots today. Yeah, but I feel like Katie, you're one of those people that I can just talk to you all day and night. Mm -hmm. And uh, you definitely have lots of nuggets to share. And I'm going to pull some of those out of you is like you want to get my reactions to your book. And I'm happy to answer any and all questions about the book. Oh, fabulous. Well, let's, <laughs> as I, you are, for I'm me. excited to talk with you too. I, yeah. You have the, one of the most soothing voices that I, uh, I have encountered in a long time. And it's just you, you your voice invites uh, discussion and leaning in. So well, let's thank lean you, Katie, into the for conversation. That. I, yeah. I appreciate that, Katie. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to start by, you know, in part one of the book, it's, it starts, it's pretty positive, like overall. And by the time we get to the, to the second part, I see it really transitioning and pivoting and I don't want to give the whole book away. If you're out there and you haven't picked up Katie's book, we're going to give you links in the description below, as well as when we promote the videos for you to get after it and get that book. And it's available right now on Amazon unlimited. So take advantage, uh, if you've got that membership, but otherwise I'm getting, I'm getting a, a, a hardcover myself. I read it all in my Kindle. There it is. There it is. You feel it in your hands. There's still something yeah. nice about that. It's, and, and you get the nice book smell. Like mm -hmm. those of you that are old enough to appreciate a good non-digital book, it is something to behold in your hands and touch. Mm -hmm. 
and even like I don't bookmark. I like to fold the dog ear the corners. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, because that way I know like when I go back through it. Because I read books multiple times, Katie. I'm not yeah. a one and done type of reader. I'm a let's read this bad boy like 10, 15, 20, 30 times. Well, you'll be excited to know uh, I have a workbook coming out too very Ooh. soon uh, as a companion guide to the to the book. So you can dog ear and bookmark away and cross-reference and and deepen your learning. So that's very exciting. Yeah, I will definitely. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Mr. Isao Yoshino is the Ken Sanderson character in Managing to Learn, the book by John Shook, where John Shook is Desi Porter. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a whole bunch of play on words there that I had no idea until Katie enlightened me, which was really awesome. I wish I had read your book first, but I, I just wasn't, it wasn't available yet, Katie. It, it wasn't available. And I, I think that Mr. Yoshino was, was not so well known. Um, he, I mean, even as a leader at Toyota, he, he always was a, a more behind the scenes type of leader working in operational um, support, organizational development uh, types of roles. And so he, yes, he was John Shook's, actually his John Shook's boss's boss of and what was the the one of the two people who taught him how to be a leader and a learner at Toyota using A3 thinking and so much more uh, and what I Mr. Yoshina just has a, such a wealth of knowledge and uh, through really pivotal times at Toyota's history where they really really were focusing with intention about how to be a more people-centered culture rather not just a process centered culture but people centered as well and uh, so much to learn from him so i'm i'm grateful to for the experience for myself personally to have learned from him and now for the honor to be able to share his stories um, broadly with the world so so many people like yourself and others have a chance to learn from him as well yeah no thank you katie there are powerful stories in there that i mean many times i was in his place in the story you you wrote it so well that i i felt what he was feeling in the moments when he was feeling it. And I mean, all kinds of things that you would not expect in a leadership book, like anger, sadness, mm. like hopelessness, all these things mm. that, that a lot of leaders I think are facing, especially in challenging times like today. And then to see this trajectory of where he's so centered on what his purpose is. Yes. Heart and direction sort of it's intention. How do you intention. align yourself with Shiko? How do you align yourself with your purpose and your values? And um, how do you how do you really live and lead with intention? But yeah, you that... know what? I, I one of the things I value so much for Mr. Yoshino is that he is real and he is relatable. Um, and you know, those some of those stories were really hard for him to talk about as well. But he was willing to go there and willing to share that and. Um, you know, as he, as we talk about in the book and he shared with me, you know, there's so much we can learn from mistakes and failure and, but we have to be open to that and open to the self-reflection. And it wasn't that, you know, he's always been some of those experiences, even as, uh, you know, they're, they're told in more totality in the, in the book, but some of those stories, especially the water ski boat experience, which was his biggest, as he calls it, his biggest career failure was pieced together over years of conversations. And, um, you know, it was, I think one of the, the if, if nothing came of the book, if no one read it, and, and I'm so glad people are reading it and having the chance to learn from him, but the experience of me being able to help him reflect 
um, both on the positive and then and the things that were more challenging and, and maybe see things in a different light. Um, and, and like that, he had this experience that felt really terrible and he learned some things as well, but to, to now he's like, oh, I see things in a different light. I've had the opportunity to reflect and see things with a different perspective. And he had this like sense of levity later in talking about those experiences. And so if anything came out of that book, helping my friend reflect deeply and um, maybe shift, helping shift in some ways, some, some of his mindset around the challenging times. Although, as you know, he's, he's amazing at, at having a very positive mindset and doing that for himself as well. His mindset is admirable. Very, so often you find people that uh, they let their environment get the better of them and it kind of takes them down. And I mean, he's not perfect, right? And many times he says, and as he's reflecting about things, you know, he makes a change and says like, mm. today I decided, and he just doesn't decide, but he follows it quickly with action. Yes. And I think that that's the part that a lot of us miss, especially in larger organizations and businesses. We miss that part. Like now we, we know what to do. We've made the decision. It's time to do it. It's time to do it. And sometimes even if we know we need to do something, we don't do it. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, he acknowledges that for himself too. Like he, he knows, how, he knew, how, he taught senior leaders at Toyota, thousands of them, how to do practice motion, conjuring, strategy deployment. And when it came to his own challenging business, he felt like there are so many fires to put out and so much complexity that he didn't do it. And so, but that, that's so relatable. I mean, all of us yeah. have had those experiences where we're just so overwhelmed by what's going on that even though we knew, know we should do something, we don't because we just feel, you know, we're just trying to cope. Um, and, right. and so I, I think that's really... It's just reassuring that uh, no, they, no one's perfect, right? And, and that we can still make those changes and be intentional and continue to apply that knowledge forward and um, don't beat ourselves up by the, the mistakes in the past, but how can we see them as a learning opportunity and whether or not we can learn for ourselves um, and make the course corrections. You know, he didn't have that same opportunity again, but now he's allowing us to learn from them those experiences. And so it is still paying it forward and, and, and creating wisdom in all of us. The questions you asked in the book through the Hansei, at the end of every chapter, Katie asks a series of questions to make you reflect. And one in the second half of the book that really got me, you asked me, I mean, anybody that reads it, not just me, but you asked me, how have you reflected? How, and, and it was like just a simple question of what time have you made to reflect on what you learned? And my answer was, I didn't make the time. Like I was so mad at myself reading the book, Katie, like no. I just had this epiphany as I'm reading the story and connecting to Yoshino-san's experiences. And outside of talking about it with my spouse at night, and uh, have, I finally had a long conversation with my 10-year-old yesterday. He was having some some 10-year-old kid struggles and I was asking him about his intention and trying to and discovering that intention mm. and it's hard it's hard and i remember being a kid his age too and it's it's tough but you asked me what time have you made to reflect and i looked back at my calendar of work just last week and it was just meeting after meeting after meeting and there wasn't even 20 minutes in between where i can step back and just say like okay i just spent time with these 30 people what did i learn from that what am I going to change? I went right on to just the next task. Mm. And I think that was, I would consider last week a missed opportunity, but 
the good news is I can still learn and apply that. Mm. I've, I've baked in a little bit of buffer this week to give myself those moments that I otherwise would have just been oblivious to if you not had asked me that question. And you are a relentless question asker. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, when, I've, when, I've honed my skills. I, I like to not think of it being relentless because you <laughs> it's challenge and nurture, right? But uh, yeah. I have- You can say challenge and nurture. I can say relentless to describe from my perspective, but it's a good thing because you can't read my mind. It's also about asking questions um, that will help the other person. My my purpose with those those practicing Hansei questions, actually practicing Hansei was the working title of the book. I don't know if I told you that before, but this the this sort of the meta to me the meta story or the meta theme of the book is about reflection and how reflection is the foundation of learning. Um, it's so important and critical and then qu asking questions either of ourselves or asking questions to help other people is so powerful in that practice of, of, um, Hansei and reflection as well. Uh, and I was going to say something else about that. And now I went off on the tangent of Hansei. So <laughs> there you, there you go. Oh, but Mr. Mr. Yoshino said that he's, um, it was said the same thing, not the, not about I think he framed it differently, but it was sort of relentless questions, but relentless in a, in a, in a way of caring. So it wasn't like barrage of question, 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 but I just kept coming back out of with a deep curiosity to understand mm -hmm. what was going on, especially around that last, um, the, the de last decade of his life. Uh, he, he just hadn't gone into very much detail and I was trying to understand what had happened. And so that's where the questions kept coming, but it wasn't always like, we're going to ask 20 questions yeah. and you can't oh, yeah. leave no. until you answer them. Uh, so it's wrong. You don't have a number of questions. Sorry, we're talking <laughs> for each other. We're both excited. Woo! Go, go ahead, Katie. No, no, no. That's where that's what I've had to learn is like to I'm a very I get very excited. Um and so one of the things I've had to practice with intention is how to retain my energy and my enthusiasm and my excitement, but also calm down and slow down so that I don't um, interrupt people, especially after I've asked them a question or, <laughs> or you know, that I allow space for other people to talk to. And that's, uh, we, that's all part of our own self-awareness about how, you know, what's important to us, who do we want to be, how do we want to show up? And then what are the habits that either align with that or sometimes get in our way with that? And how do we amplify those things? Like I became a really good question asker, but that's only so good if I uh, was jumping in and not give, giving people space to think and answer. So it's it's an endless journey, but um, I'm, I think I'm a better person than I was 10 years ago. That's for sure because of um, I've put I've I've put deliberate practice towards that. Not yeah, that I'm a bad person. I just think I've become a more intentional and effective. Uh, a person in all aspects of my life, but that's maybe that's what comes with age and <laughs> and experience. And that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you because mm. I was looking at your your profile and I saw that you had made like a shift. You you left a traditional type of work mm. and you went into the very scary consulting realm for whatever reason. I couldn't tell in anything that I've read, Katie, that really said. What was the impetus for that shift? I did see the acknowledgement in the book where you thanked mm. a couple of key people and some people that I admire too, that you've had in your life. I mean, just got cool people all around you, number one. So kudos to you for, for that. But could you talk about, cause mm. I've had a couple friends uh, recently and I have a friend right now that's actually going to quit their day job and go full time into something else. And he's talked to me about it a lot and 
he's just like, was very sure of it. And he'd made the decision a year ago. And here we are going into month 12 and he hasn't made the transition mm. yet. The mm. decision's been made, everything's set up, but he hasn't left the day job yet. What, uh, what can you tell us about your experience with that? Cause I know he's going to be listening to the show. I'm not going to call him out by name, but I will poke him privately <laughs> to right. make sure that he gets Wait, this, this exact spot. This one's for you. Uh, you know, I had, I've been, I've been thinking about my sort of looking backwards in my career journey and sort of those pivotal points of de decision points and changes. It, it, you know, we, if we go back to that weaving metaphor that we started talking about that warp and weft, like what are the constants that really have pulled us through? And then what are the things we've learned and adjusted along the way? Uh, and for me, looking back, there's some really strong constants, which is I've always been drawn to learning, connecting with people, helping, um, but there have been different career choices I've made that, that some fit better aspects of that than others. And so I, you know, I started off my career in academia, actually. I, you know, where, where you're supposed to be the expert problem solver, the knower of everything, um, the researcher, the finder of truth. And uh, I love that from a learning perspective. Actually, most of the first 10 years of my career was spent in academic uh, roles, including you know, my master's degree and some other things. But for me, I made, so I've made a few pivots in my life and I think it's gotten me to where I am now. And I feel like I'm in my, maybe my sweet spot, but it's taken what, 25 years of a career to get here or maybe not quite 25, but, but almost there you can. But um, my first, my first career shift was from academia into consulting, not my own consulting practice, but I, I went and worked for a consulting firm. I was living in Australia at the time and that's where I'd done my master's degree. And I stayed there another few years. And it was a nice transition for me. What wasn't working for me about academia was that the type of research I was doing, well, twofold, the type of research I was doing, while very impactful and important, uh, was all retrospective. And I didn't feel that the, um, I didn't feel as much of a tangible connection to the change I was impacting. And the second is I could go for days without talking to someone. And as mm. you um, might gather here, I, <laughs> I like to connect with people. That seems but, like torture. This is the, yeah, well, and, but I also loved it from a learning, a deep learning perspective. And in, in many ways, writing this book was like heart pulling back on that, uh, on those, those, that interest in research and writing and synthesis and um, all of that. So there's something that, was appealing in the, in the book writing about that. But I love the most going to conferences and connecting with people and sharing and knowledge, not necessarily the sitting and um, analyzing. Anyhow, I, I, so I made, it, made a shift. And so that was a nice shift for me. Um, I also decided two years later to move back to the United States. And at that point was an opportunity to decide, do I wanna work for a company where I was gonna be traveling a lot or be more focused um, in one area? And I decided I wanted to, I, did, I took a few months and figured things out, but I took a role at Stanford Children's Hospital. And again, serendipity, it was using my consulting skills, but at, as an internal consultant. Um, and I was, mm -hmm. at that, I was at Stanford Children's for almost six years. And that's where I started learning and practicing lean. And I loved it. I loved the connection to people and the problem solving. And um, I then took another role at the Palo Medical Foundation um, in a more senior senior um, lean consultant role and managing a team of people. And I, through that time, really realized that my, my expert problem solving skills no longer served my purpose in a people development role, either as a consultant, a coach, or uh, managing a team of people. 
I mean, of course, it, it served me well in terms of I had problems and scope of responsibility that I needed to solve. But me jumping in and trying to do it all myself in that same way wasn't uh, or giving all the answers. And I wasn't I wasn't being as effective. And that's really where I started to put that great intention, asking more questions, listening, um, you know, uh, slowing down and <laughs> not being as excitable um, at all times. And and then from there, I, I made the big you know, leap into the unknown and started my own consulting practice. And there were a few factors there that um, aligned in my life to make that the right decision. But I, I certainly didn't know what that was going to be. It wasn't like it was all set and lined up. In fact, it was a yeah. leap into the unknown. And it was the most rewarding leap I've made professionally. Um, and it goes back to having connections and relationships built. And I had I had contracts already in negotiation before my last official day of work. And so that was super, super rewarding. And I was pregnant with my second child at that time. And it was like, I have to say, my second pregnancy was way more <laughs> chill than my first because I, I, had, I had a lot more control. And then with serendipity, we moved to Japan a year later for my husband's job and what could be a more perfect location for uh, you know a, a student of the Toyota production system and than that. And so, you know, the rest evolved to what, you know, what you now know, but those life isn't linear. Right. And so you have no. to, um, I think that's where that concept of, of the warp and the weft, the warp threads, those sort of that sense of purpose, the things that are known within you, how do we follow those warp threads, those, those sense of constant. So they keep us on track and move us forward. But how do we also then incorporate in other elements and, and sort of then weave something that we couldn't have anticipated in the, the beginning. I certainly by no means when I graduated from university would think that I am a leadership coach and process improvement world. Yet looking back, it totally makes sense because the things that were still important to me then I'm still fulfilling through my what I'm doing now. So I don't know if that helps or not with your friend, but I say make the leap, make it happen. You never know. There you go. There's no guarantees, but you won't know until you do it. So you heard it here. So I'll make sure that he gets that message. All and right. In the book, Katie, you also do a good job uh, speaking through Yoshino's son's eyes when he's talking about you don't know how it's all going to weave together. And at, at times when you're looking at the threads and mm. you see all these like dark and sad colors, these dark grays, the dark blues, the black threads and if you zoom back a little bit and change your perspective, which doesn't happen unless you reflect, mm -hmm. you can't reflect as you're weaving the thread. It's right at your hands. Right. It's right at your face. You're in it. You're in it. But it's like you beautifully said in the book, when you stand back and change your perspective on it, it makes sense. Just like you just did now looking backwards, you leaped into the unknown and everything worked out better. Mm. Like you said, your, your pregnancy was better. You, then you had opportunity to go to Japan. It was a no-brainer, easier decision. Mm. And your, excite, your excitement, I think, has stayed high mm -hmm. the whole time. You stayed true to yourself. And and I think it's even worth saying, like, when you were younger, and I just heard you say now that you paused when you were in Australia. You paused and you said you, you used, like, two months. I think I heard you say two months of thinking about where you're going to go next. And then you moved. Mm. But you did. You kept moving. Mm. So yeah. I think that's like really powerful. I can't, uh, I can't share any cool stories where I paused long enough. I'm more of a, like just jumping and just crossing my fingers and hoping it's going to be okay. <laughs> Which definitely makes for an interesting life. Yeah, but, uh, well, a lot of unexpected, a, a lot of unexpected jumps. I'm sure. <laughs> so. There've been a lot of jumps. 
but luckily we're here to talk about you and not me. <laughs> All right. It's time. Turn the tables. I want to learn. I'm going to turn the table. But uh, Katie, you were on a podcast uh, that was published, I think it was a week ago or the week after you were on a quality podcast. Mm. And I made a comment. I was excited to hear, you know, it was a totally different way. Like that style of show it was also, I think, about an hour long. Mm. And I commented that I liked listening to it and I was learning some things. And at that point, I was probably like 70% through the book. And uh, you asked me right away when I commented, like, what are your key takeaways? And I was like, I actually paused and I thought about what they were. And I gave you the three and you came back right away and said, those are the three main parts of the story, which I can't wait to hear Yoshino say in his own words, how those three things are so critical. Mm. And I'll let you give away what those three things are, because you'll say it better than I will. What are those three things that I shared with you, Katie? Do you remember? Well, I, I believe that they're the three fundamental uh, ways that a, f a leader fulfills his or her purpose, which is set the direction, provide support to their people and develop themselves. And those are, you know, that really came out of something that Mr. Yoshino said on stage, actually just made the same day I met him probably. It was on stage with John Shook at a conference. This is six months before I moved to Japan. And he was talking about his role as a manager. And he basically said, my role as a manager was to give a mission or target, support my person while he or she, well, always mainly he back then, uh, yeah. in the target. And then I was aware that as I was developing the other person, I was I was developing myself at the same time. And I was like, that is so incredibly profound and simple. And the essence of what leadership is, if we are people-centered and we're creating a learning culture, if we know the direction we need to go, we have a challenge that might push us into, you know, thinking of things in a different way. And yet we're being given the support and nurturing and development and the you know, the systems we need to be successful. And then the leader's also working on how to improve himself or herself at the same time. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's it. And it, you yeah. know, it's, it's so simple. And yet, you know, there's so much complexity within, within that, but yeah, set direction, provide support, develop yourself. You got it. Yeah. Each one of those is a library mm. of books and experiences in those three steps. It is really deep and mm. And I got to, you know, give a, a critical eye to John Shook. It didn't come out in, in his book, Managing to Learn So Much as it, as it did here. I felt like, you know, there when he wrote that, where we were culturally with what was coming out of Toyota and as we understand Lean today in the U.S. I just saw a slide yesterday. Somebody say that Lean is an American invention. It's not something from Toyota. And it's just, I had to think about that for a second. I was like, that's totally right. It's totally right. Yeah, we can. It's totally right. We can blame your friends at the LEI for, for that, that word. Well, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the word, but yeah, I heard Jim Womack a few years ago at a conference talk about that. One of the other words they were looking at was fragile. So I don't know if we want fragile systems either. So, um, you know, it, it, it was a best attempt at describing it and it describes certainly many aspects. Um, but you, you can't there, if you go to Japan, no one knows what you're talking about when you talk about lean, um, right. it's, it is, it's a, it's a construct we've put to try and describe something. And, um, even the Toyota production system has evolved or the Toyota way has evolved since, uh, you know, those, you know, researchers were really looking at Toyota in the, you know, the eighties and nineties. And so even their systems and structures might look different than how it was documented. So I always have to, so I 
I think, you know, I take people to Japan in non-pandemic <laughs> times yeah. to go learn about the Toyota production system and uh, what we call lean at the source and think, you know, and I have to remind people that sometimes our constructs of what lean looks like or what it's called is not what you're going to see or the words that are going to be used. Um, but if we can get to principles, yeah, we see principles, we experience principles, we see embodiment of them in different artifacts, but to, to go back to what's the purpose rather than what are, what's the, the actual tool or something that what something looks like. Yeah. I really, really like that and appreciate that. And I, and there's a similarity. There's a lot of similarities between your approach with your Japan tours and what Yoshino-san did when he took people from the Numi plant mm. as they were developing that training program for how are they going to get American people in the worst performing plant mm. in GM's portfolio and became the best performing plant ever. And as he was brainstorming with his boss at the time, it was really interesting to, to that they had that epiphany, that brilliance of, they're not going to get it mm. from us talking about it. They need to just come and immerse themselves in it, which is what you've always done as you've traveled. You've immersed yourself in all these mm. different cultures and really expanded your horizon to such new heights. And I think that, uh, you know, for those of you listening, if you ever get the chance to go and experience something, be in it is completely different than reading about it. Mm. And that was, I think that was really brilliant. Now, I have to ask you as a follow-up to pull the, the next thread, Katie. All right. When you do your your tours to Japan, do you make the people that you take with you put down in paper what their intentions are to get out of the trip before they go? Yes, we we start we start the day off we start the we start the day one off with setting some learning intentions and getting to know each other um, and questions people want to answer through for themselves um, through the experience. So yeah, that is awesome. And then we end with reflection and of course, lots of celebration as well. So uh, yeah, lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of fun, cultural experience. Lots of sake. <laughs> if you want, you can imbibe. Um, we actually, yeah. I'd planned for this year um, and we will next year, hopefully go to a sake brewery company, a brewing, um, a small brewery in um, the, in the Nagano uh, mountains that's close to this uh, company called Ina, which Actually, Mr. Toyota, Kyo Toyota, considers the former chairman of this company to be his sensei and mentor. Uh, oh, wow. And so it's a it's a subsidiary of the of this company. But it's I was all very excited to to line all that up. But pandemics get in the way of so much. <laughs> but it's all right. I mean, it's healthy It'll... and safe. Healthy and safe is first and foremost, right. and uh, we can travel again later. No, I, that that was really cool to see and. And to hear you doing that and taking people back and mm. watching what that did and how people transformed. Mm. I was on a call with some folks uh, that have like mixed teams across the country. And one of the teams had uh, has union workers and all the other teams don't. Mm. And in California, it was the same thing. Like that in the book, people were asking Toyota, like, why didn't you just copy what your competitors did? And you said it so brilliantly in Yoshino's words about, they had to learn their lesson like that learning by going the easy way mm. to non-union areas and setting it up that already been done and they didn't want to they didn't want to just go the easy path they wanted to have this real empirical experience and and try something different and make a differentiation which i think a lot of people don't take those types of risks mm. for as conservative as as people think of japan and toyota 
I would not have picked California to come into first. Like if, no. if you know, if it was if it was up to me by myself, it's not the easiest place to do work in. No, and well, in fact, uh, you know, their competitors, Nissan um, and Honda, chose other other places, as you mentioned. So uh, it gets back to this the comment that I that I start the book off with. Mr. Yoshino saying that the only secret to Toyota is its attitude towards learning. And that, and, and that example, you know, relates back to that quote, you know, they were intentional about choosing a complex environment because they knew they could learn more because of the challenges it would present. And if they were successful there, they were more likely to be successful elsewhere too. Uh, and they were slower to they were slower to get started. Honda and Nissan also, you know, they started earlier. In some ways, Mr. Yoshino believes that it was because Toyota wanted to also see and learn from their comp their competitors' experiences. Um, so he he often remarks how um, sometimes people say that Toyota seems very slow at making decisions, and and sometimes that can have negative repercussions, of course. But it gets back again to that concept of they're wanting to be deliberate in their learning. Uh, so, you know, but then, yeah. but then uh, slow to decision, but quick to action. So, you right. know, once they make that decision, yeah. away they go. They're definitely yeah. never being accused of analysis paralysis. Well, never. Yeah. May, maybe, I don't know. They, no, they, 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 made, they make things go, although sometimes, you know, can be slow to action at times has not uh, benefited them, but I'll save that for, uh, you to ask Mr. Yoshino at our upcoming session. Oh yeah, definitely. There's uh, some pointed questions I'm going to ask him about key fobs in particular. Like I was watching the evolution of the wireless key fob at Toyota lag like almost a decade behind the competitors, but I'm going to save that for him to put him on the spot. <laughs> Sometimes he's <laughs> we'll not able he... to answer questions unless they're directly about his own experiences. So just a warning. <laughs> I'll, I'll phrase it in a way that'll be people centric. I know right. how to play the game, Katie. Okay. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I may have to translate. For him, I've got I've got a thousand questions about Conpro mm. that uh, that I'm already getting ready and formulating in my mind. Okay. Great. Well, I will. Uh, I'm excited to hear what they are. It's uh, yeah. it's always intriguing for me. There's that was one of the challenges um, about the book. So, for example, this what you called the Conpro was this two year long leadership development, pro, immersive leadership development program that Toyota created for its top thousand um, senior, senior managers and directors. And Mr. Yoshino is one of a small team sort of supporting the program. And there's so much inside there. And like, if I was going more of the technical route with this book that we could have gone like way deeper into some of the elements, but I had to balance also like telling the story and keeping the momentum going along and then you know maybe there'll be another book about about conpro but at least um, yeah. it at least it highlights to me the the sort of the essence and the most important elements um elements about it and some mr yoshino has gone and talked to his mentor who was his boss at the time mr um mr segura and he was telling him some new memories that mr yoshino hadn't been privy to those discussions about uh, the top executives deciding which um, parts of the organization were going to be involved in the leadership program. And uh, it's a great story too, about we all own quality. And so we all need to be, um, be part of this. It's not just the manufacturing side of things. It's everything. All parts of a company are responsible for quality, for safety, for, for basically they're what we create for our customers. 
And that's it. That's yeah, some of the important. the early cross-functional thinking I saw because mm. I'm a, I consider myself an agilist and, and love that uh, Toyota is now adopting that as well as we've, as we've learned and shifted and the world is changing again and, and they're going that way. But I was kind of surprised, Katie, and maybe you talked about it with Yoshino-san. It's not in the book, but why was Conpro like a two years and done? Because ah. I've heard from a lot of people that said that the hardest thing, I can't remember the name of the gentleman now who's got like a 200 person team at Toyota. And I've heard it many different times. I think even uh, Mr. Cho has said the hardest thing for Toyota to do is to pass on their culture to the next generation mm -hmm. of leaders. Why, why didn't it like continue in a different way? It seemed like it was like, all right, we did it. We got these people done. Yeah. They're going to keep doing it. And then they backed away from it and then they shifted. You know, the chaos and entropy are always coming into your system. Mm. If you're not intentional creating those in environments where you have some good failures to create a cause to get people to get an executive to say, like, we're going to go to this thing, too. It's that important that we need to know because we're going to be talking to our key leaders differently. What, what, what can you say about that, Katie? I feel like you know something. I have my own take or um, hypothesis based on my conversations with him. Uh, twofold. One is that the. Uh, it was a two-year program and that was intentional. You know, we talk about it in the book that his boss thought three years would sort of be too long. Like, you, yeah, know, like and, you know, people are also moving on to different roles, but one year would be too short because enough people could kind of, kind of fake it, but not really be in it. And so two years is long enough to be like, all right, we got to keep practicing. We really, you're really serious. You want us to do our, you know, <laughs> our leadership, our Conpro A3 and, um, and do that. But I, the, the program was meant to be, as Yoshino-san says, a retightening, an intentional retightening of the belt, a reinvestment in the, uh, the leadership mindset that uh, Toyota wanted to create for as a culture. And so, you know, in the, in the 1960s, they had a real focus on quality control and quality circles. They won the, the Deming Prize in the mid-60s, around the time Mr. Yoshino joined. Toyota. And then, you know, at the end of the late seventies, early eighties, you know, there'd been some generational, you know, changes and things had, had shifted. And so they retightened the belt. And again, if you think about, about 20 years later, they Toyota retightened the belt with, uh, with the, with the publication of the Toyota way 2001 for Mr. That came from Mr. Cho. And then now we're about 20 years later again, and Akio Toyota, is out there retightening the belt again, really re-emphasizing what Toyota's purpose is, their mission about creating happiness. And he is going out and leading leadership uh, programs in the organization. This is the, the president. Uh, there's some great articles. I don't know if you've seen them from the, um, I think the Toyota Way Times, I forget the exact name, but of what Mr. Akio Toyota is doing right now and some things he said about going back to basics. We need to go back to the basics. What did we mean by that? What the purpose and the intention behind the Toyota production system? What are our pillars? What does that mean? What are our management and leadership responsibilities of the Toyota Way? So um, the first is that there was, you know, they kind of always have to be intentionally retightening the belt, but you can't have that same offline focus all the time. And so, you know, this two-year program and these tightening of the belt times allow us to have some more offline learning time. And then the rest is the expectation that it happens through the work. Leaders now are expected to be coaching and developing and mentoring their uh, people 
And now they have the skills to do that and then probably sort of erodes a little bit. So we got to re-emphasize that again. But if we always have learning happening because of their sort of offline programs or, you know, we're not really embedding it into our culture, into our work. And so I I would imagine his answer would be it's because it's become part of the work and we occasionally have to retighten our belt and then we continue on. We have that habit again and then we need to retighten our belt again. So that would be my... But I would, I would, I might anticipate, but I'll be very curious what he says in his words as well. No, I I love it. And how you tied it to the time too. It's like, it's connected to the generations of leadership that's happening inside the company. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting to see. And and it is kind of, I mean, we're seeing that now in the United States where we've got multiple generations working and you, there's an exodus of the baby boomers Mm -hmm. leaving and, and very large numbers and the culture of the workplace is is very dynamic right now. It's very hard to say like, what kind of culture do we have today in in any given company where you've got, you know, multiple generations of people in, it's not like just the, everybody's, you know, around the same type of experience, like even just looking at pictures. And I I love that uh, John let you guys have so many pictures to put into the book. Thank God for John Shook for sharing pictures because Mr. Yoshino has none except that one with, with John Denver, which I did, you know, and then there's more that you can go on, on the website, but I did include the John Denver photo in the book too. No, it's great. He has no photos, which is, um, which is, which is really sad. Uh, you know, I was, I was was talking, I was thinking about how, or a few months ago, actually Toyota headquarters in the United States chose the book to be um, their book club of the month book, which was super. Hey, that's awesome. Katie. And so I joined them for yeah. their discussion and they were saying the same thing around this retightening of the belt that they felt like this book was helping them have renewed appreciation for the fundamentals of the culture that they're supposed to be working in. And some of them were new hires in the last few years and we're giving them new insights to, to that culture. And so uh, I thought that was really cool as well that, you know, Toyota yeah. itself was using the book to learn about itself and um, its history and culture. It's amazing. And there's definitely some gems in there that are nowhere else. Even in uh, the way that Jeff Liker did the Toyota Way, you know, the the seminal book before right. it kind of brought it to the mainstream. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Jim Womack and, and The Machine. I mean, that book deserves its own mm. podcast all by itself. And probably like podcasts, several interviews, but there's a there's definitely a difference between you know what Jeffrey Liker did and what you did. You came in really tight with Yoshino's perspective, mm. but I think it for me, I'm really big on context and history. Like it just it fed me so much more mm-hmm. to understand like why would he do this? Why would he feel this way? Why would Toyota act like that? All those questions that. That I've always had through your book and through his experiences, I got answers finally. Yeah, well, me too. I mean, that was uh, my experience with talking with Mr. Yoshino and living in Japan, but really through that, the experience of learning from Mr. Yoshino, it gave me a richness of understanding. And so I thought that that was important too, those contextual elements about, you know, the the regional culture and where Toyota is based and um, some of the his, some a little bit of the Japanese history provides context into onto this because it is we are you know we we're based in a certain time in a certain place and that shapes who we are and our mindset as well and it doesn't mean we can't apply principles in in different settings but it, it helps understand where something came from or maybe what the things that were more easy and the things that were cha- more challenging um, as well so yeah absolutely and. 
you know, so I was some I was talking this another book club about the um, about the book too, and someone asked me the question why I hadn't included certain elements of Japanese history in it, and I said, you know, there, we I had to had the sort of box, <laughs> you know, yeah. you could, this could be huge if I, I wasn't trying to write a whole book about the totality of Japanese or Toyota history, but really through the lens of Mr. Yoshino and some of my experience of context to help shape that story, but. Um, you know, what were the things that really stood out to him that were important in telling his story, his experience of working at Toyota? And then how how can we use that as a, you know, one person's learning experience? But he really feels like it also represents many people's experience from his generation of Toyota and, um, as well. So he doesn't like to say this is like one person's story, um, but that's him being humble because he's also a pretty yeah. amazing amazing person who has um, so much to offer from his personal individual experiences. Yeah. No, it's definitely, uh, I can't say enough great things about the book and, and hearing the Toyota studying the book themselves is just, I think that's what they call fractal. That's <laughs> like, you know, that's the universe studying itself by watching mm -hmm. itself somehow. Yeah. That's really cool, Katie. I'm so glad that, that that's happening. Thank you. It's been, it's been exciting. And um, what I'm, you know, things I appreciate about being on podcasts like this is having, well, talking to amazing hosts like you and enjoyable conversations, but also, or, and also I should say the opportunity to connect with a wider audience who may not um, have immediately known about the book because of just knowing me or, or being associated with folks who would know Mr. Yoshino. And I, I really, as you've said, I, there's so much richness of learning, um, from his story and about, not just about those for people who are, you know, interested in Toyota or lean or the things coming out of that, but just like how to be a good, thoughtful human being um, who's in support of developing other people. And actually a friend of mine read the book and, you know, just to, she's just a friend, she's not, not working a business person at all. And she's like, you know, I learned so much about parenting. And I said, it's the same thing. You're, it's about developing people. You can do the same things yeah. about parents, set direction, provide support. Oh uh, gosh, I have to chat, I have to improve myself because I have an almost nine-year-old or almost 10-year-old as well. Um, and you know, we got to always be improving ourselves <laughs> to be yeah. effective parents. So got to walk yeah. the talk. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I hope he's enjoying his Daruma and his set his goal. I, I yeah. sent those to you. I've got them right here. Can oh, you see them? No, they're, oh, there he they let, are. They're, they're hidden. Yeah. The, your name, Felipe, was uh, kind of hiding good, hiding them. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah they're right there. They're, uh, he spends every morning we do a reflection to start the day here. We call it coffee talk. <laughs> he doesn't drink coffee. I do. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> Yeah. So they're here because it's thin ice. So he sits in the chair that's over here and then he can see them. And then we talk about different things. And I always ask him reflective questions, which even today, Katie, he finds annoying. Yeah, well, you know, of course, you're a me. parent. <laughs> exactly. I know my role. Later, later, he'll appreciate that. Yeah. You but I want to pull that string, Katie, because mm -hmm. you just gave me something that I wanted to ask you right when we first started. And now okay. it's a perfect reminder. So in, in the two pillars of the Toyota production system, mm -hmm. we have the very haphazard English translation. I think only because we don't have enough context in uh, the Japanese language, for those that are like lean nerds and you're into this, you're going to get a kick out of this. The translation of respect for people and continuous improvement mm. are not good. And I want to just focus on mm. the respect for people part. So in the book, you said several times, you said in the beginning, and then you brought it, you brought me home at the end talking about, and at the Yoshino says, talking about the omission of the word wisdom. Mm. Can you tell for all of 
everybody, like the 99% of the people that don't know, what is the translation? Like, what's the word? What are the words in Japan? The Japanese words? And then I have to pull my book out to remember the Japanese words. But yes, we'll go there. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah, you go ahead. Pull the book. And actually, and this is unprompted. I I didn't know we were going to do this, but this is great. I uh, so there, there are two two things. So there's the there's the Toyota production system, you know, which has the pillars of you know just in time and um, built in quality. And then this is about the to- the Toyota way, which was modified in, in two two thousand and one. But uh, respect for pe- so we're talking. Oh, so there's respect for people and and then continuous improvement. And this was actually pointed out to me by Michel Baudin. Uh, he was he's another lean lean author and um, he lived in Japan for many years and he's fluent in Japanese. And he, he had the, the question that he saw that the kanji characters in the Toyota way 2001 up on Mr. Yoshino's um, slide said wisdom and Kaizen. So Chie to Kaizen. Actually, I didn't need to look that up, did I? I was thinking about the no. respect for people. I, mean, I didn't know the word for humanity, yeah. but I know that Chie, yeah. Chie to Kaizen. So to, to means two. Sorry, and sorry, and to means and, and so, but we've just translated, or they just translated, the word kaizen as continuous improvement, and we we left we left off the whole, or they. This is the Toyota's translation and into English from yeah. the of the wisdom aspect, and and to me that really does a, we lost some nuance in there because wisdom has a sense of gravitas of of generational learning of reflection of uh, a continuous improvement to me is just like, okay, we're going to keep going. Yes, we want to keep continuously improving. But wisdom is like the collective knowledge of how we continuously improve and what we're going to do in action in the future. And then, uh, yeah, so it was left off. And so, um, but it's understood at Toyota as just what how it is, you know, that Chieto to Kaizen is the same. It's, it's all together, but we just call it Kaizen. And, um, yeah. And so it goes back to, again, the only secret to Toyota is its attitude towards learning. And it's about creating wisdom, not just in ourselves, but in others and for our organization across generations. And so, um, that's, that's their, that's their secret. And, and they certainly do it better. Toyota does it better than almost any company I'm aware of. There's certainly others who are effective at it as well, but how do we create wisdom? The respect for people part, which in your book, you love, I mean, you just perfectly talk about, it's not just the person individual, it's better said the humanity part. And that's, that's where I wanted you to give, give me the Japanese on that side of the, mm-hmm. the pillar in the Toyota way, if you'll be so kind. Now that I've clarified. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. So and then I'm going to, I don't remember the word for, uh, for respect for humanity, but here we are. So respect for people, it's, um. Oh, great. We don't even have it. Oh, so <laughs> I was like, do I have it just in kanji here? Because I will not be able to read that. Um, but the respect, the first word is sonke, um, which means, uh, well, valued and worship. So it means one has a high regard for somebody. Uh, but the other, and then uh, when sonke is expressed, it means that the person puts himself at a lower position than the other person. So I respect you because you are have seniority. You're my grandma. You're my teacher. You're my boss. But the other word is Sancho, which is uh, more commonly means it talks about hum- humanity or respect for people, not just respect for person because of the status. It's almost one's like respect for status and the other 
the Sancho is respect for, uh, I love this com phrase in here, it means holding precious what it is to be human. So, I mean, how do we there it is, Katie. hold precious for what it means to be human? That is so different than just, I respect you um, because you have a, you have status. And, and that's a huge, huge difference of the nuance there. So, so with that, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Fabulous. And I'm thrilled. I'm just, and I was talking to Mr. Yoshino last night and just, we're, we're looking back, we're reflecting together on just what um, the unexpected elements that happened in 2020 for all of us, uh, but also really mm -hmm. the great joy and wonderful things that came out of it, especially with the book and our collaboration and how that's also uh, bringing opportunity for us both. But what gives us both most joy is connecting with other people, helping each other learn and helping others learn and, and develop as well. So. Uh, thank you for being part of that too, Felipe. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to keep learning and talking together. Yeah. Likewise, Katie. I know I'm gonna have to have you back again because I still feel like there's more, there's more strings to pull without giving the book away. Oh, well, that we can talk oh, about. All right, I have to tell one more story because this, I, we, we've, <laughs> we've talked so much. You were, you were talking about how you really enjoyed the book and the, the how it was written and the stories, and you felt like you were on a cliffhanger sometimes. So, <laughs> Mr. Yoshino, we were in. The, the final editing stage and he's read every word of the book multiple times and he was saying he was getting caught up in the book in the story and he's like <laughs> laughing at himself because he's like i couldn't put the book down i was so caught up in the story but it, he was laughing because he's like it's my story i know how it ends like <laughs> but i was enjoying reading it like he was having this like meta like i'm I'm, he's like reading it as if it were, you know, fiction or someone else's story, but it was his story. Anyway, he was, he was laughing about that. And I said, well, that, that bodes well, that if you're like forgetting that it's your own story and just yeah. enjoying the, the reading it as a story or experiencing it as a story, that means that uh, we did something right. Uh, so you're definitely, there you go, <laughs> there no. you go. Yeah. But, uh, so there you go. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure and, um, I look forward to seeing you later this week and I am excited for hearing what your audience, uh, what resonates from our conversation with your audience and what questions they have. I always welcome questions and feedback and people reaching out, uh, kbjanderson.com. And I know you're going to put all of that information, um, in the, in the notes. And so please reach out and please share with uh, us what, what stood out to you or resonated to you, um, after listening to this. So. It's perfect. That was my improvement from the first interview to this one, Katie, all right. is to ask everybody, if you're listening, give us some comments so that we can react to it. Mm. What did you like about this and uh, what stood out to you? Definitely. We encourage that. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Katie, for Thank your time. You. I'll talk to you again very soon. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.